Father, we do thank you for this time together to look into your word. Father, we ask that you would uh, speak to us through your word, that you would speak through me, uh, give me clarity of thought and presentation. But above all, Father, may you be glorified in the words that are spoken. May the Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts so that we might leave here uh, different than when we came in. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to have Alan Mickey here. Thanks for coming. And we were speaking with them. Um, usually we have video updates, and I said, hey, you're so close. Why don't you come and give an in-person update? So here they are, and we're so glad you did. So appreciate it. Hope you get to connect with a lot of people here. So what I'm going to speak to you today about is not something that you do not know, but it's something, hopefully, that we never forget. I did want to start off with a, a short story. Uh, in a recent interview, our president uh, sat down with a, a, a local TV station and was being interviewed about his beliefs on same-sex marriage. And answering the question, he went on to tell a story about when he was a young man in high school, 18 years old, I believe he said he was. <clears throat> Sitting in a car with his father, he observed two men holding hands. He turned to his father and asked, Joe, what's going on? His, his father's name was Joe as well. And his father said, Joe, they're in love. That's all that matters. Love is all that matters. Some critics dispute this ever took place, saying that it was 1961 when this happened. But that's not the point of my story. I tell this story not to directly criticize our president, nor criticize, but to criticize the philosophy the president and others in leadership and in our culture today espouse. That love is fine no matter where it's directed, and we have no right to object to anyone's personal love. However, as we will see in this passage, there are certain things that the Christians are called to love, and there are certain things that we're called not to love. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at 1 John 2.15, and I'll read from chapter 2.15 through 17. The Word of God says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possession is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. In one way, this passage seems to be completely out of place and almost contradictory in light of the fact that we are Christians who are not uh, only just to love, but we're to love enthusiastically. We are, to, we are called to love like nobody's business. We love because God is love. We love because God first loved us. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength, and we're even to love our neighbors as ourselves. There are a multitude of commands to love one another in the scriptures. In fact, that's how the world will know that we are Christians is by our love one for another. But only our love for one another, but we are to be known because we are supposed to love even our enemies. Paul says in Romans 13, do not, know, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, 
and any other commandments are summed up in this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Then there's the issue of the world that seems to contradict our most beloved verse in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In light of all these verses, this may make the text in our first John confusing. It could come as a shock to our sensibilities that we read the words do not love. It's a command which means that if we violate it, we are in sin. In other words, some loves can be sinful. This is an important text in our day. Love can be sinful. We live in the midst of a culture that needs to hear this from us because the world is coming at us with this whole love is love mentality. In fact, there's a website out there, Love Has No Labels, and from their website, it says, we believe love is the most powerful force to overcome bias. We celebrate diversity and encourage people to come together because we know together we can create a more inclusive world. So we read this, and the question comes up, well, how can we be against love? Nobody can be against love, certainly not Christians. They can't be against love because God is love, and we're called to love. Therefore, how can we stand in the way of anyone loving one another? However, our text makes it clear, and there are instances when love can be sinful. This is a very practical, everyday issue for us in our culture today. The question comes, what makes love sinful? What could possibly make love, love sinful? Under what circumstances would love be sinful? Well, from our text, love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, it's very important to note that this word world, especially in John's writings, is used in three different ways. First of all, the word world can refer to creation, to all creation. You see this in John 1, John 3, John 4, John 6, John 7, John 8. Over and over again, this word cosmos refers to the world, to the created order. John is not saying that we should not love the universe, love God's creation, this world that God created. That is not what's being said here. And secondly, the term could refer to people that inhabit the world that God has created. God is not saying do not love people, do not love mankind, absolutely not. We, we know that that doesn't mean that because of the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like unto itself, love your neighbor as yourself in Matthew 22. We are to even love our enemies, according to Matthew 5. So John can't be talking about that first world, cosmos. He can't be talking about the second world where people that inhabit the world. That would be a contradiction. 
then we know the Bible does not contradict itself. However, there is a third use of the word world. And this third use refers to the spiritual realm that is in opposition to God and his kingdom. It is this third sense of the world that is being discussed here. So when John says, do not love the world, he says, your love becomes sinful when it's directed at a system that is anti-God, the system that is anti-kingdom, the system that is satanic. And John makes it obvious that it is satanic because he uses it several times. Here, even in the book of 1 John, John writes in 1 John 5 and verse 4 and 5 that, that by faith a Christian is able to overcome the world. In, in the passage we read in John, 1 John 2.17, he says the world passes away. In 1 John 3.1, he says the world is ignorant of God. In chapter 3 and verse 13, he says the world hates believers. In chapter 4 and verse 1, he says that it's the world, the world is the abode of false prophets. In verse 3 of chapter 4, it's the abode of the Antichrist. In verse 5 of chapter 4, it is the abode of unbelievers. And lastly, in 5 and verse 19, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It is obvious here that when John refers to the world in this text, he's referring to the world that is under the control of our adversary, the devil. The world that is spiritually and ideologically at war with our king and the kingdom. We are told, do not love that world. And listen to what John Calvin says about this topic. He says, the only rule for living religiously is to love God. But when we are occupied with the vain love of the world, we turn all our thoughts and affections another way. This vanity must first be torn away from us in order that the love of God can reign in us until our minds are cleansed. However, this doctrine may be repeated a hundred times, but it will have no effect. It will be like pouring water on a ball. You can gather not a drop because there is no empty place to retain the water like pouring water on a ball. When our affections, when our love is pointed toward the world, there is no room for the love of God because when our love and affections are pointed toward the world, they are pointed toward that which opposes God. So our love can become sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. James 4.4, which was read says something very similar. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters since he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. It is an either-or situation. In fact, in our salvation, we're taken out of the world. We're taken out of that system, out of that darkness, and transferred into the kingdom of his marvelous light, the scriptures tell us. We are to walk in newness of life, according to Romans 6. The believer now walks with new rules, towards new ends, from new principles, making new choices, choosing new paths to walk in, 
new leaders to walk after, new companions to walk with. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Matthew Henry puts it this way in this verse. He says, the new man is what he was not and does what he did not. That is so appropriate. The new man it was, is what he was not, and he does what he did not. That is the way we are to walk. We have been transferred from one kingdom to another. We have transferred allegiance one to another. But if our love is still in the world, then we need to re-examine our allegiances. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would have loved you of its own. However, because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. The world hates you. John 17, 16, in Christ's priestly prayer They are not of the world, he says, just as I am not of the world. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. We have been sent into the world to proclaim the gospel, but we're not of this world, though we are in the world. And we are certainly not to love the world. We need to be careful here because there is a tendency to take this to the wrong direction and remove ourselves from the world altogether. John's not saying don't participate in the world. He says don't love the world. Don't love its philosophies, the attitudes, the values that disregard God and are blatantly against God. We must develop discernment in order to determine the difference between the two. And we need to seek God for his wisdom in this area. A.W. Toza has a beautiful quote about God's wisdom in this way, which I think is very appropriate for us. It is vitally important that we hold the truth of God's infinite wisdom as a tenet of our creed. But this is not enough. We must, by the exercise of our faith and by prayer, bring it into practical world of our day-to-day experiences. We need God's discernment and wisdom as we walk daily in this world. But not only does the love become sinful when it's directed at the wrong object, but when it arises from the wrong source. In verse 16 of our passage, for all of this is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So there's a problem first with the object, and now there's a problem with the source. That this love for the world arises from the world. Just like our love for God, and the things of God arise from God. It is God who gives us the capacity to love God, and here we have a love that arises from a different source. The first two categories that are mentioned here, lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes, sinful desires, sinful cravings, But the boastful pride of life, however, that's a sinful behavior. And John moves from the internal to the external. The first two are internal and hidden sins. 
The last one is a revealed sin. The first two pertain to an individual person. The last one pertains to that person in a community of one another. Again, we need to have discernment. I can love the beauty of a sunset. I can love the beauty of music and art. Those things in this world God has made and has created. I can and I must love people whom God has created in this world. And that is why we have missions. We have people like our brother Al and, and sister Mickey who, who work around the world to bring the love of God to people around the world. And we have evangelism and friendship days here that bring people here from our community. But even those loves can be perverted. And so now of me loving the beauty of God's creative order, now I worship God's created order. I worship the creature rather than the creator, it tells us in Romans 1. That's when we've crossed the boundary of love. Then there's these boastings, these prides of life. That's when it gets outward. That's when our behavior becomes outward. My cravings, my lusting, and now my boastings. True love can lead me to share my testimony, but pride can make me exaggerate it. True love can lead me to share a story, but my pride causes me to be the center of every story I tell. True love can show gratitude for the things from which God has blessed me with, but my pride can make me constantly give you the price tag of those things so that you're impressed. So our love can become sinful based on its direction and based on its source. But finally, and most importantly, love becomes sinful when it produces the wrong fruit. In verse 17, it leads to the wrong ends. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. So you have these two opposite ends. On the one hand, you have this world that is passing away, and on the other hand, you have our God who continues forever. Love becomes sinful when it leads to the wrong ends and produces wrong fruit. Our passions become sinful when they are pointed in directions that leads to death and destruction as opposed to leading to life. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 29, By this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should, do, should be as those who have none, and those who weep as though they do not weep, and those who rejoice as though they do not rejoice, and those who buy as though they do not have possessions, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the present form of this world is passing away." This leads us back to what I mentioned earlier that is so pertinent in our times. The love, of, the love is love mentality, especially in the area of the same-sex marriage. How can you be opposed to same-sex marriage when same-sex marriage is just about people who love each other and want to be allowed to express that love? However, that's a love that's pointed in the wrong, at the wrong object, and it's not a love that comes from a God. It's a love that brings glory. It's not a love that brings glory and honor to God. It's pointed at the wrong object, and it's pointed, it comes from the wrong source. 
Let's look at Romans 1 and verse 18. I think we live in a Romans 1 world right now. I'll read an extended passage here. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, divine nature, has been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For they, they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, they, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among them. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served that what was been created instead of the Creator, who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions, their women exchanging natural relations with unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. That is the bad fruit. Pointed in the wrong direction, rising, arising from the wrong source and producing the wrong fruit. Therefore, it falls into the category of love that is sinful into the category of love that does not glorify God. It falls into this third category, the love for the world. Not for the first, God's created order, and not for the second, people in the world, but the third category. That system that is openly opposed to all that God is and, and rebels against the reign of God and his kingdom. Now, this rebellion is no longer covert. It's become very overt in our culture. It's out there. It's in our face every day and being used along by people outside and sadly, even within the church. Notice back in Romans 1 and verse 32, which we didn't read, but it says, although they knew God's just sentence to those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they applaud or take pleasure in or encourage others who practice them? And do we not live in a culture that does this today? There are those who essentially argue that love is always right. Love is always godly. Love is always appropriate because God is love. They say God loves everyone. God loves everything. But right in our text, 1 John 2, it says, do not love. There are some loves that are out of bounds. There are some philosophies, there are some worldviews that are just out of bounds. 
just there are some loves that are unacceptable. If you're here today and you wrestle with this love of the world, you've, you're captivated by its cravings and its lusts, let me say that to you that the last thing you need to do is to give in to this love of the world and its God-opposing philosophies and lies, because it is a lie. Romans 1 tells us that we've changed the truth for a lie, and now the lie is promoted as a truth. And if you don't agree with the truth, then you really believe in a lie. But the Bible tells us to love of God, to love your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, which means your passions are to be turned in His direction and no other. We must reject the lie that says that no one, we must reject the lie that says that we can love the world's philosophies and God, because ultimately that is a lie that says that there is no truth in God. Jesus told us that it's an either-or situation. You cannot love the world. You cannot serve two masters. We see here in the text that the world is passing away with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is not God saying that there's good stuff out there and I want to keep you from it. That's a lie from the devil. God is calling us away from this love of the world because he actually does love us. And in loving us, he wants us to abide in Christ and remain in Christ and not to perish. Let's pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father who created this world and everything in it, we bow before you as a humble and grateful people and we bow before you recognizing that we have a tendency to love the world. We have to battle this not to love the world because we are frail and failing humans. Grant us by your grace, we pray, that we might not only have the wisdom to see the difference and faith to trust you, but also that we might also have the will to deny our flesh and not love the world. Father, I pray that this would not cause us to flee out of the world, but we would be in the world, but not of it. And in so doing, we would be distinct and continue to be those who are known by our love for you, love for one another, love for our neighbor, and love for our enemies. Grant by your grace that this may be true of us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.